Good morning. Good morning. Good to see everybody here. Glad everybody online can see us too. You're always welcome. So we are in this series that uh, God is fill in the blank. And uh, it was really cool to have so many people here and even online. We got your notes from online. Uh, what was kind of the first thing that came to your mind? And uh, some of them were pretty deep. Uh, like uh, somebody said, God is dog, spelled backwards. Dog, spelled backwards. I don't know who that was, but he's sitting in the back corner right now. <laughs> Ethan. <coughs> no, that was funny, actually. It was funny. That was a good one. Uh, somebody said, God is complicated, <laughs> which, I mean, it's true, but it's also it's kind of funny. Uh, and, the, and the whole point that we're talking about here is, right, there's so many things in our life that influence the way that we see God. Uh, experiences that we've had or just life circumstances, health issues, but also relationships. Uh, we're going to hear a lot today about God, our, our Heavenly Father, and, and we're His children. And, and honestly, not everybody had wonderful parents. And so that can really warp our view of who God is as a, as a father, as a heavenly father. So we're going to put all of that away. We're going to look into God's word so we can start filling it in that blank with truth, right? The absolute truth of God. So we talked about God is merciful. Talked about that last week, God is trustworthy. And so today, this is the number one response from everybody here at the church. And honestly, it's the most uh, widely believed attribute of God, and that is God is love. God is love. That is by far uh, the most uh, common thought uh, that people have about God. And so you might say, wow, Pastor, you really lucked out with the easiest sermon of the whole, whole series here. Uh, well, it may be true that it's the most widely believed, but you may be surprised to hear that it's also the most doubted attribute of God, that God is love. And so we're going to look at the key verse in Scripture for us today is what Ed shared with us in 1 John. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. It's such good news today. And uh, just to help, help us uh, kind of wake up here this morning, uh, just turn to somebody next to you and say, God loves you. Okay, it's not, it wasn't terrible. Now, turn to the other person and say it like you mean it this time. Like, <laughs> God loves you. All right, good. Yes. God loves you. Now, is it so interesting about this verse, God is love, when somebody says God loves you, is that we have two really types of responses that are, that are very different depending on who you are. Because we've got some people who are shouters, we've got some who are the doubters. And for the shouters, when you tell them God loves you, they say, yeah, God loves me, woo, I am a child of God. Hallelujah. But then you got the doubters. You say, God loves you. And they think, 
How? How could God, how could God love me? I mean, you probably, I mean, thanks for telling me that God loves me, but you just don't know uh, everything that I've done. You don't know everything that I've said, everything I've thought. How? How could God love me? And if we're honest, even the shouters sometimes become doubters for the same reason. Life circumstances, relationships, things people say to us, and we question, really? Really, though? I know you're saying God is love. I know you say God loves me, but wow, I don't know. That's, it's hard to imagine. Some days, some week, maybe some months, man, it can get dark. It can get hard. Does God really love me? When we talk about the influence, that the things that kind of warp our true you know, perception of God, it, a lot of it does have to do with uh, relationships with people. And we've all had people in our lives, sadly some were parents, but maybe they were teachers, maybe it was a coach where they, they just labeled you. Well, you're just uh, worthless. Just here, give me that. I'll do this. You can't do it. Or why would you break? You are just bad. You haven't, you haven't done your homework again? Were you lazy? Dumb? Stubborn? Mean? These labels, people speak these things over our lives and they declare these words to us that, that hurt us that, and they, they stick with us. I don't care if you're eight years old or 18 years old or 88 years old. These labels stick to us and they're hard for us to pull them off ourselves. They always hang in there. And so when you say, God is love, God loves you, oh my goodness, don't you see? Don't you see these labels that people have placed on me? So I'll talk about how we experience God's love. How do we know for sure? And I want to use a, a, a story here. It's in Luke chapter 8. And Jesus has this encounter with uh, different people. They're in crises. In crises. And we're going to look how Jesus responds to them as an example for how he still responds to us. Okay? God is love. Let's see it in action. So chapter 8, verse 41 A man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, he came and fell at Jesus' feet. This must be important. Pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl about 12 years old, was dying. Now here's a dad who would do anything to save his daughter. There's no doubt he's already tried multiple uh, doctors, multiple medications, multiple treatments, multiple therapies, second opinions, third opinions. And you see he's a religious leader in the synagogue. Now one of the things we know about religious leaders in the synagogue in this day is that they didn't like Jesus very much. And, and yet this dad, so desperate, loved his daughter so much that he was willing to risk his reputation. He was willing to risk his job. Right, to come and ask Jesus for help to 
on bended knee, plead with Jesus, please come help my daughter. And Jesus says, okay, I'll walk with you. And they start walking with Jairus. They start walking toward his house. And as Jesus is on his way, the crowd has just almost crushed him. There's so many people in the town that want to see Jesus, be near Jesus. And a woman was there in the crowd who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately, instantly, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus said. (laughs) Not me, not me, not me. (laughs) They all denied it. And finally, Peter said, Master, the people are crowning and pressing against you. You're asking, who touched you? Everybody did. Jesus said, no, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. So the jig is up, right? She was trying to sneak in there in the crowd, sneak a little touch, get a little healing, and disappear back into the crowd, but uh, there's no way out. She'd been found out. And so the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed... She came trembling, trembling, and fell at his feet. Trembling. Not everybody sees God as God is love. God loves you. Doesn't matter your situation, doesn't matter your circumstances, your label from society. She came trembling. What have I done? I've done something wrong. Trembling and falls at Jesus' feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. That's so cool. You know, this is the only time in Scripture where Jesus calls someone daughter. And, and look at the progression here. She is, with this condition that she has, she is ostracized from society. She's called ceremonially unclean. So she goes from being ostracized from the whole community to being a part of the crowd. Right? Maybe she snuck in, she's, she's there, and she's like, hey, somebody in the crowd, touch me. But then he speaks to her, calls her daughter. She goes from being in the crowd to being a child of the loving and loving God. How cool is that? Jesus is walking with them. Jesus stops for this woman and he speaks to her and declares she is a child of God. Now, you got to wonder about Jairus, the dad at this point. Um, he, it's kind of like he walked into the store and pulled the tab, the ticket for number one. He's the first customer in line, right? And then this woman comes in and pulls the ticket. Well, that's number two, right? They're walking to his daughter's home to heal his daughter, and Jesus stops. Now, come on, that's like that's like taking your pregnant wife to the hospital. She's in labor, and you stop to get some burgers and a shake. He ain't gonna do that. Come on, the dad's like, come on, what are we doing here? But you gotta understand these are both very desperate situations. 
This is the desperate of the death. So obviously the young girl, the 12-year-old, she's dying. She, this is as bad as it gets. A, a child, deathly ill, scary, sad, horrific. She, the girl, she can't do anything. She can't get up. She can't go for, get help. But the dad is going to Jesus for her. But then you've got this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. Now, again, let me just give you a little more details about the, the uh, kind of the religious, the culture uh, back in this day. So uh, being ceremonial unclean meant that you could not touch anybody. Nothing. You'd make them unclean, and then they can't go to church. That was the thing. You had to be clean to come to church. So for 12 years, she's been without any human contact. Now, we've just seen what two years of a pandemic without human contact does to people, human beings. Twelve years! No one had given her a hug. Twelve years she'd not received a kiss. Twelve years not shaking anybody's hand. Twelve years being isolated alone, and worse than that, ostracized. We don't want you. These are desperate situations, and without healing, they're both going to die. So, Jesus heals this woman, and in this story, I want you to see what love compels God to do for us. And I want you to see how, right? How do we experience God's Love. What opens our eyes? How do we see clearly his love for us? Well, there's a lot of ways, but I'm going to give you three because that's just how it works. You always get three. But the first way is that he walks with us. He walks with us. This is what he did with Jairus. So the dad who came down, pleaded with him, please come to my house. He says, yes, I will. I'll walk with you. And he's walking with each and every one of us today. We don't walk alone. Look at this. All the way back in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy. Way back in the Old Testament. The Lord goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He walks with you. It is horrible to walk alone, to live isolated, lonely existence. It's probably the worst thing that can happen to a human. That's why solitary confinement, prison is so horrible. It's the worst. Completely removed from, from human contact. You've got uh, bad news, something tragic happens, you get a phone call, you get a bad report from the doctor, you get uh, bad financial news, you lose your job, and you've got nobody to share that with. You have nobody to help carry that, that burden. We're not built that way. God didn't design us that way, to be alone. 
we're, we're designed to be in a family, to be in community with each other. Or even if it's good news, right? How much more fun is it when a new grandchild is born or you get a promotion and you get a new job and you have nobody to celebrate with, nobody to dance around with, nobody to just cheer. It's awful. That's why it's so important. When you see God as love, you see that Jesus walks with you. He'll never leave you. You always have Jesus. And let me just pause right here in my message because I want to give a, a little footnote here, a little appendix or whatever, and I need to talk to a certain group of people that maybe you say, hey, pastor, I'm single. <laughs> and uh, if you're single here, uh, or if you're single and online, if you're on, watching online today and you want to type into the chat, say, hey, I'm single and ready to meet. No, don't type that. <laughs> that would be dangerous. <laughs> don't type that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I want to address you because here's the truth. Uh, here, here's our confession. So the church too often overlooks our single adults. They're younger, or they're, they're the 30s, they're middle-aged, widows, widowers. We spend so much of our, you know, our time, or at least our communication, and market our events uh, for uh, couples or families with kids. And um, f- So let me just give you one example. So summer, summer fun night, something we're doing uh, throughout the summer. It's not just for uh, parents with little kids, right? This is for the whole congregation, right? We want all people and all generations uh, to come together and start, again, building those relationships. Uh, when we talk about uh, life groups, right, these small groups that we have, and they're usually around geographic area in the, in the valley or, or age, you know, demographic kind of in the, in the, within the church, and we build those relationships with, uh, with each other. So, when I'm, so to all the single people out there, when I say it's not good to walk alone, I'm not exclusively talking about a spouse. I'm just saying we all need a brother or a sister in Christ to walk with us through the life that we are living. God designed it that way. And this is a good place to start. If you haven't gotten that uh, very close friend or or confidant, accountability partner, that that relationship that you can share the bad and the good with, someone who loves you, of course, and you love, uh, this church family is a great place to start. You got people who believe the same thing, have the same worldview, same values. Uh, It's just a great place to start. So Summer fun nights, and and then uh, in the fall, we'll be doing more life groups. Uh, Check all of that out. Okay, Jesus, he walks with us. So we're never alone, even if we are human, if we're alone. Jesus is absolutely always with us. But he also stops for us. And this is what he does for the woman, right? He's on this urgent mission, but he stops for this woman who has another urgent condition, and that's what he does for you. He stops for He's been stopping for you from the very beginning. The very beginning in Genesis, in creation. For six days, God worked. And then on the seventh day, he stopped to rest. Well, to show us how to find rest in him. To find refreshment in him. He's been stopping for you from the very beginning of time all the way up to now. 
And if you feel unloved or unlovable, he stops for you. If you feel like you've gone something, done something way beyond forgiveness, he stops. He stops for you. If you feel unheard, unnoticed, unappreciated, he stops for you. He walks with us. He stops for us. And then did you see what he did? This woman, he talks to us. This woman with the bleeding condition, he calls her daughter. Isn't that amazing? For all of the labels that society had placed on her, they all were erased. They were all removed. They were taken away, peeled off. And she was given a new label, a child of God. And you see, when God says something, when he declares something, it's true. It is real. When God declared, when he said, let there be light, there was light. It happened at his word. And when he says, daughter, son, it's just as real. He declares it, we receive it, and all of the other labels that people have given us disappear. They're not real. That's not real. This is real, our relationship with God and what he says we are. And he says we are his children. And that's awesome. Hey, wait a second. We're not done. What happened to that little girl who was dying? Oh, I'm glad you were wondering about that. Because a lot of times when we see Jesus working on other people's issues, we kind of think maybe he forgot about us. It's like, hey, I'm so glad you blessed that person. Uh, I'm so glad you healed this person. What about me? What about my family? Well, what happened to uh, the 12-year-old girl who was so sick? Well, while Jesus stopped to heal the woman, the girl died. And his, his family, her family, Jairus' family, came, came running down the street, running from the house, came down the street to Jairus and said, it's too late. She passed away. So, don't bother Jesus anymore. It's, it's too late. And so, whenever you feel like hope is completely gone, the end of the rope is right here. We're at the end. When it seems like there's no way out, that's when Jesus likes to step in and say, no, I'll have the last word in this. And so he keeps walking with Jairus. He stops at Jairus' house, and then he talks to this little girl. And he says, my child. There it is again. First my daughter, now my child. Get up! <gasps> Air came back. Revivication. She came back to life right before a hole in her eyes. He restored this little girl to life. It's not too late. 
It's never too late. Whatever your situation is too, God's love is big enough. He was big enough for the woman and big enough for the little girl and it's big enough for everybody. God is love. He walks with us, he stops for us, and he talks to us. What a great way to experience the love of God, his lavish love that makes us his children. Amen? Amen.